what's the Usher song? It was like 2008, like uh, Love in the Club. No, I don't remember that one. I, I just remember you got here. it bad. I heard it on the way here, and it's I want. What serious channel were you on? XM Fly, oh, number forty-seven. Shit, that's hot. Yeah, it was great. But the, the whole song was about making love in the club. What? And it was like him and Young Jeezy, and they were like describing all the ways they wanted to like have sex with women in the club, and it was just a COVID nightmare. The whole song, <laughs> the whole thing. I'm just thinking that's not like, taking him in the bathroom, like all this stuff. I'm like, nah, don't, don't. So just go home, wash your hands. I want to know. What different scenarios that Usher was talking about? He, there's several mentions so of the taking, bathroom. taking girls to the bathroom okay. to, to do this business. Young Jeezy also had the same idea. The bathroom seemed like a popular one. How many stalls is the bathroom? Did they? I, I mean, at the club, like I don't know. It depends on what could kind of club could be two you're stalls, getting. could be fifteen. They stalls. They seem very excited about this club, so maybe it's a maybe it's one of those clubs where the like the stall goes all the way down. Okay, so. There was a bathroom sex scene. Was there a floor? Did they want to bang them on the floor, like covertly? On the floor, yeah. There's, there's, there's there the isn't on the floor. Okay, so we have a bathroom sex scene. We have a floor sex scene. What else do we have? I know you're scared, baby. They don't know what we're doing. Let's both get dressed right here. Keep it up, girl. I swear, I'm gonna give it to you nonstop. I don't care who's watching in this club. <laughs> wow. On the floor, baby. Is, let's make love. It was this. Wait, are you reciting? I want to make love in the club. Yeah. Is this from Eyes Wide Shut? No, this because is, <laughs> this sounds like an exhibitionist orgy. No, this are you is sure? Usher. Th- are you sure this, this did is a soundtrack? Young Jeezy. I mean, the song's kind of fire. It's 2008, but I mean, I'm just—it's just a COVID nightmare. That's the big. <laughs> that's the big takeaway. I love these intros before we even run the the intro theme. So I'm going to mm. ask you one question before we even get to the intro theme. Okay. So when you're listening back to these, what's the? Nu- this is a pretty. This is a pretty vulnerable question. Do you mind? Okay, let's hit it. What's the number one thing that bugs you about listening to yourself recorded during this pod specifically? Um, just when I get excited, I just, there's not enough enunciation. Gotcha. I tend to just barrel through, through them. <laughs> yeah, and then I have cool. to like take out a whole thought of mine because I'm like, you don't sound like you know what you're talking about. You sound like you're just bumbling over a bunch of words trying to find a point. Dude, we so don't that would know. Be, everyone knows we don't know what we're talking about. Right, but those are moments where it's especially obvious. Yeah. What well, about you? Uh, <laughs> I've noticed that I breathe so, like, talk about I've been, I edit in more of your breathing. Yeah, okay, so, no, I, dude, I sound like a backup breather on a Muse record. <laughs> like, <laughs> our time is running out. There's a setting on our his guitar for more is, breath. Dude, I should be a backup breather in Muse. That's all you do? Like. You just have a mic and you just... Our time <laughs> Running out, our time is running out. Can't push it under. I mean, this is one of their better songs. <laughs> okay, I think it's time. Hit it, Captain. Oh yeah, let's do this. Let's get into the go break.
we're back. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus from the Serengeti, we're back here on the GoPro. God damn it. You do that so well. Talk about enunciation. I don't think I'm there's gonna be any doing that problem. a lot. A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. I told you I don't like that palindrome. It's, it's boring. <laughs> Uh, raise your hand if you're listening right now and you just really enjoyed that palindrome that I threw out Well, you're out never going to know. <laughs> uh, wow. It is another episode, as we said, face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I was about to leave the state of California, but realized that I could not leave you behind That's with, nice. without you one more did. session. Yeah. I did. I was very close. Yeah. yeah. Basically, got I got to Reno, so I Rust. guess I did leave the state. <laughs> the biggest yeah. little city in America, dude. It's my favorite. Yep. It's a big little mistake. <laughs> How did you know what they called me in college? <laughs> um, we have one fuck of an episode oh, for man. you today. This is, if, if this was a, if this episode was a CD, it, it would definitely have that parental advisory. Statement. Yes, absolutely. Sure. And almost, I was thinking Big about this. Too. One of the big massive. Ones. Maybe yeah. it's just the whole cover the whole of thing. this episode. Why did nobody yeah. ever do that? That would have been cool. You know, Rage Against Machine. Oh, they're going to come machine. up. Rage Against the Machine for sure. Uh, oh, you brought one for the list today. I mean, I'm pretty sure the list would not be complete without a certain Rage Against the Machine song. Am I wrong? I think you're right. I didn't bring any only because it felt like it was way too on the nose. Uh, it's so on the nose, it's inescapable to talk about. No and again, even, for the listeners, this list is going yeah. to be best fucks. Best fucks. Which the best is, use of the F word in music. I was thinking about this. This is the antithesis to an earlier episode that we did in season one, since we're calling this season two now, yep. um, where it was the censorship episode. Do you remember what episode that was? Was that episode two or three? Oh, right, where we, we, we censored our swears. Yes. Oh, Maybe one course. of the funniest episodes we've ever done, as far as I'm concerned. Because that was you should, exhausting for me. I'm never I doing know, that again. I know. Especially you, not on this one. Dude, you should never underestimate the comedic punctuality of an unnecessary censor. It's oh, fucking hilarious. But we won't be doing that today. We'll be saying Not fuck a, a lot. There will be the word fuck will be brought up constantly. This is NSFW for all you kids out there. So <laughs> if you're listening amongst family, um, please either silence it or find a cavernous tomb yes, to which you please. can... Uh, go back to your TikToking. Please go back to your TikToking. your animal crossing. What do kids do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Dude, we're in our early to mid-30s. I mean, you're in your late 30s. I'm mid, still in I my have early not 30s. No. You're 34, right? Yeah, actually, I'll be 35 next month. Holy shit. Yeah. When's your birthday? In one September 18th. Oh, my God, dude. Happy birthday. Uh, it's not there yet. It's very close. Will we have a birthday episode for you? possibly around that time but i'm more excited and this is a preview for the future about our episode coming out the first week of october which is well it's the 20th anniversary of kid a oh no are we really so gonna, are we finally that, gonna do it we're finally gonna do it the definitive radiohead album list this is going to be a two-parter you realize that right i'm worried about doing it uh fleshy because mm-hmm. um they'll they'll We'll, we'll fist fight. You know I'm going to put Amnesiac at number one. Right, and I don't know how I'm how we're going to get around. <laughs> um, well, as long what... as King of Limbs is last on both of our lists, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back we to the Ghost Degree on the last place. <laughs> we're not going to get into this right now. So that will be the first week of October where we're going to do our definitive Radiohead album It's a listing. while away. But it's a while it away. just got to tease it because it is happening. It will I'm happen. I'm excited. We might have a guest on for that one if October looks like a type of thing where we could have a guest. We'll see. Well, let's talk about today's episode a little yes. bit. We got some goat-worthy tunes. Big time goat-worthy. And, and I like how um, we usually seem to align a little bit on these tunes. Like last week, 
we brought you at like more of a hip hop based right and more like soul, soul r&b r&b mm-hmm. based and today we just brought in some straight up white boy music <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> this is actually one of the widest songs i've ever brought me too i brought a song from and dude i can't wait for a discourse from you on the weaker thans because oh, that's boy. something that missed me in my no, youth oh really yeah so i kind of want to learn a little to oh today. i can teach you everything that's great so i brought a tune by john k sampson mm. who is the singer and songwriter principal songwriter of the weaker thans right best lyricist of our time he's great he's mm. fantastic this is the first time i've ever actually listened to him oh really uh, yeah oh Who, that's absolutely wild what track did you bring uh i brought a new one from locals i did the local flavor this what? time you're yes. dethroning me i am uh well you haven't been keeping up and honestly really it's haven't. just it's not this band i brought this because this is probably their album where they explode from local to more of a national act which they've been teasing and that's young jesus their new album welcome to conceptual beach just dropped and it is even better than the, I mean, the, every album there's getting better. It's Young crazy. Jesus, Young Jesus. Have they been in the LA circles for quite some time? I'd say five years, probably. Gotcha. Five um, years they is got, they got ten thousand hours, baby. If you do something for <sighs> well, five they were years, in Chicago previous. Gotcha. And I believe it was just maybe the the lead singer, maybe a couple other members, but um, they've been in LA since maybe 2016 and got signed to Saddle Creek. Oh, cool! And have had two albums out, and this is the third album. For I love Creek. Saddle Creek. Who's on Saddle Creek these days? Do you know? Um, not as not as much as I used to. No, right. like well, the glory years of Saddle Creek with Bright Eyes and the Faint right. and Cursive. And have you listened to the new Bright Eyes? No, is it good? I have not. I, I love Bright I don't, Eyes. I don't. Dude. I don't love new Bright Eyes. I don't I, either. I, I kind of clocked out around Casadega. Casadega was strange. I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning was a great record. Yeah, um, but I like the way you said that because that sounds like the ultimate like. <laughs> the, the ultimate hipster thing to say or have you heard I, I'm wide awake this morning <laughs> in the beginning he's singing wow. to this girl about her birthday party the, wow thanks for calling me out and on that one he's like happy birthday <laughs> listen I'm an OG Bright Eyes fan I okay. bought their first EP every day and every night when it came out okay well then and yeah, it's fucking one. incredible I wasn't on board till Lifted so I'm more opposed you, you really you didn't even listen to Fevers and Mirrors I when it retrospectively came out? went back to Fevers and Mirrors but I don't like it as much as most people do I like Lifted I think Lifted, Lifted is, is a great is record two missteps away from a masterpiece. Have you heard I'm Wide Awake Each Morning? <laughs> it's a really good record. At the same time, they released Digital Ash and a Digital Earth. It, it was really, really cool for the time. There's a song on I'm Wide Awake Each Morning called Road to Joy, and it basically rips off Ode to Joy, and I've never heard anything like it in my life. You I really love Road to Joy, though. So do I. I love it. Let's fuck it up, boys. Oh, dude, I didn't bring that for the list oh, today. Okay, well, hold I, on. I have no bright eyes you on You and list. I are way too excited right now. We've been jumping back and forth like a bunch of oh, caffeinated man. School I've been drinking coffee. Yeah, okay, so have I. As, if you can't tell, if you can't tell, we both are drinking We've been coffee. Drinking coffee. Um, so a list today, even though we said it, let's return in case they missed it because we're talking 10 miles an hour right, right. now. That's pretty slow. But uh, is the best, most punctual, or most important usage of the word fuck or derivatives thereof, fucking fucker, just anything with fuck Best in fucks. It. Best fucks. Um, best so if you're not convinced... By how entertaining we've already been in this episode, you might want to stick around for the best fuck list. You're gonna want to fuck with this. You're gonna want to fuck with this. Also, our privilege check today oh, yeah, is gonna be this. a difficult one. Cam, it's your side. It's side A. So why mm-hmm. don't you go ahead and give a glimpse into what you're gonna be talking about in privilege check? At the Me end and of you the are going to look into Toto's Africa and see I what's going on there. Don't even really want to do that, but I can't. We're gonna wait do to, it. Okay. We're gonna see what's going. We're gonna see if it's racist. 
or just fucking stupid. Stupid. Yeah. It's probably a combination thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to talk about the importance and the, uh, the, uh, just the understated, it, the, just, oh God, I can't, it's hard to even put these words together right now. Black country musicians, yeah. like every other genre that's been appropriated by cultureless white people. Uh, country music is also one of those mm-hmm. things. And this is probably, it, there's so much to talk about here. Um, I might do a couple of these segments, maybe not in order or right. maybe not for the next one, but I want to return to black country artists because country Great, music yeah, is... I'd love, I'd love you to because I know so little about that. Actually, I know so little about it too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I want to start taking this journey. Obviously, our listeners know, or five listeners know, I'm from Nashville and country music's very important to me. Right. So I really want to delve into the origins of country music and how it was laid to waste by white people again. And now look at the genre. Right. It's fucking trash. It's disgusting. So, okay, it's going to be a great part. it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. It's be great. So, let's bring some goatworthiness to it. Here comes uh, our goatworthy intro. The So I get to go first this time. You uh, do, side A. This time, side A this, this week. So yeah, Young Jesus, uh, four-piece, now based here in Los Angeles. Uh, you're unfamiliar. Completely. So I first heard of them from a friend of mine named Wolf. His name's Wolf Woodcock. He's a musician Oh, I know here. Wolf. Yeah, Fantastic. bass player for Versus Color. He's in Versus Color. Mm-hmm. He has his own stuff. Uh, introduced me to Young Jesus. They were playing together at, um, I think it was Bootleg the first time I saw him. And they... I had just heard their first release on Saddle Creek and loved like two or three of the songs on it immediately stood out and I was looking forward to seeing. And they played two songs that night, both of which are, were about 12 to 15 minutes. No shit. Neither of which are songs I had ever heard. <laughs> and left stage and with my jaw just dropped wide open. That's like, punk. What we, we call that happened. punk. Yeah. And they have this mix of indie rock um, jazz little bit of emo sometimes and just i mean it's just it just works yeah then the second time i saw him was at echo park rising two years ago and they stole the whole it was at the echo they stole the whole weekend yeah it was more of their i saw more of their songs i'd heard but they still do that jazzy improvisational bits they do and it was unbelievable so i can't wait to hear it what's the song called this song's called unknowing um and it's a little bit more down tempo, but he he plays with this really interesting vocal melody towards the end when the song gets a little bit bigger. That's risky, and I feel like it pays off. So so we'll 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 come back. We'll talk about it a little bit. But Hell yeah! This is Young Jesus with Unknowing.
present, future high by the fields of cloud and bone, calcified, laid out like a home, phantom limb, phantom cornerstone. Watch the way it shakes this knowing Jesus with Unknowing off their new album, Welcome to Conceptual Beach. Holy shit, Cam. I know after every goat-worthy song that we usually play on this, I say, what a cool tune, or <laughs> wow, I really like that song, but I... That was my. I was listening to that. I didn't listen to it. That was your when, first time. Yeah, you didn't. Great. I didn't listen to it when you sent it to me earlier. This I like week. that. We should do that more often. That's really good. That's something special, right? That is actually, and that's Saddle Creek material too. You right. know, when you hear about a band getting signed to one of your favorite labels, you're like, ah, oh, this probably fucking sucks. I could do better than this. And then you hear it. It's, <laughs> it's really good. Wow. Yeah. That's. I can't wait to hear the record. Is the whole record out? The whole record is out, and it's nothing. I mean, the, everything's different. There's so many good moods throughout, and that's that's their least jammy song. That's probably their most formulaic yeah as far as like pop structure it felt song. rather succinct and it's the third I, I i feel like it's important to know where it is it's the third it's track the third, in the that album. sounds like a track three right yeah. and and you have to go through the album it's is there's still for me personally there's still elements of it as there is in all their albums that are a bit too jammy for me right there's a lot of 11 minute songs huh, okay or eight yeah. minute songs that kind of but they really experiment with how minimal they can go like some of these jams go down to him just whispering 
and such. So and it's not widespread panic or it's not that kind of jam. It's more jazz jamming, like more improv. Improvised I'm into jams. that all day, dude. Yeah, yeah, and and for me, it's sometimes it's not quite my bread and butter, right. but I think they do really good at everything that they're, they're putting together. And this album sounds incredible. It actually that had some cigaros elements. That, yeah, to that it. vocal like, melody in the end is so adventurous. Well, even some of the tonalities and even yeah. some of like the the jammy parts. If you and will. a lot of his vocals in the new album when he goes high like that remind me of the Antlers. Oh, cool! Uh, a band I, I I really love. So. Hey, I'm gonna just bring this up right now. Maybe I shouldn't. As we were just listening to that, I said, "Wow, this kind of reminds me of some Sun Kill Moon." Mm-hmm. And you said Mark Kozilek had he's canceled. Yeah. I didn't read that this yeah. week. What yeah. happened? People came forward about stuff really he's been doing over pretty much since Benji came out. Since his meltdown's been going on. For sure. <laughs> his pub, his very public yeah. meltdown. I mean, he's just being, you know, at least, at the very least, verbally abusive, but like definitely was forcing himself on on a couple girls in I've hotel got rooms more records and, to burn tonight than I guess. Right. Well, they're not that good, so... No, they're not. Actually, Ghosts of the Great Highway was the only record that I ever really listened to. Um, so. Are they are they Sun Kill or are they Red so House Sun Painters? Kill. There's, there's some good Red House Painters albums, unfortunately. That. God damn it. Well, well, I liked Benji when it came out, but then I got really sick of it really yeah, quick. Very quickly. I'm like, it I don't want to hear a story, an 11 minute song about every girl you've had sex with. It's, no, it's, yeah, it's not a second listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and now it's a zero listen. Yeah, that's fine. He was, he's, a, he's the most indulgent artist oh right God, now we yes. have going on. So I don't really, I don't really mind him going away. No, and I'm not surprised. I'm, I guess <laughs> I'm either. just fucking angry. At I'm this just point. disappointed. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, well, so let's go I to just somebody killed, completely yeah. unproblematic and one of the greatest artists of our time that you oh, brought in. Whoa. Um This beautiful man, I don't have enough nice things to say. Or I, I can't wait I have to too hear many it. nice things to and say. And you know what's great is that with our list today, the fuck list, I brought in a song with fuck in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yep. John uh, K. Sampson, he delivers some good fucks. And that, that fuck is, and the next fascist fucker in line for the job. Uh, guys, what you're about to hear is a song by John K. Sampson. It's called Fantasy Baseball at the End of the World, and it's a two-minute soliloquy, at which I'm really into. Dude, I've been writing so many, con- I've been, been writing a lot of condensed poetry mm-hmm. these days, and this song is what I'm gravitating to more now in the music sphere of things because right. it's two minutes, it's a couple of verses, and that's it. Right. And it's about John K. Sampson wanting to see Trump die a painful death. And and that's that's totally up my alley. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. man, it's great. I have to admit, sometimes when I don't have my finger on the pulse of especially local music, but music being released at large, I do the shitty... Uh, late millennial thing where I just go on my Discover Weekly or whatever and listen to some stuff that I haven't on Spotify. And I came across this on my Discover Weekly. Yeah. I cannot tell you a weaker than song. Cannot tell you. Oh. If, I can't tell you anything about this guy, but I listened to this because the 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 title intrigued me because right. I hate baseball. Baseball to me is one of the most boring things in the world. <laughs> it really is. Um, so when I saw fantasy baseball at the end of the world, I th- I knew it was going to be satire or right. a form thereof. Mm-hmm. So I listened to it and and it's completely literal. It's completely <laughs> literal. Yeah, it really is. That's um, John K for you. Uh, before we get into this, which is just, again, a great two-minute acoustic folk retelling of this guy's desire to, uh, to see Trump die, mm. or, or writhing in pain, as he says in the tune that you're about to hear, give me a little backstory on the Weaker Thans. Uh, the Weaker Thans are one of the best um, kind of folk emo bands ever. 
Um, they have four studio albums. Um, their second and third left and leaving and reconstruction site are known as the, the best material of theirs um, by most people. Especially for me, Left and Leaving, that was a huge seminal album for me in high school. Like, huge. It was the album that got me into lyrics. Are they considered one of the first emo bands? Not really. They're just, they're so underrated, they're not really considered... Anything? They're, they're just deeply loved in a cult status. I can, I can um, tell. They flew under the radar and everything because all they did was at what they're good at. Yeah. It's basically a book, not like little short stories in song form and impressive Sometimes almost pop punk structure, but huh. but folk or pop punk structure and just lyrics that, especially when I was young, really helped shape me and uh, made me fall in love with lyrics in the first place. Yeah, like a lot of people have Dylan stuff like of course, that. Of course, yeah. But for me, it was John Kay from The Weaker Than. That's like, wild. Yeah, I mean he because I was a punk kid, and they also for some reason were always invited into the punk scene. Well, not for some reason. It's because John K. Come, he was the bass player of Propaganda. Propaganda. I did see that so, in the so, 90s, right? Yeah, so when, the Weaker yeah. Thans was an offshoot of that, so they were always in the punk scene. They were on Hopeless. They were on all the Hopeless samplers. Oh, cool. So that's how I heard of them. Now, since we're both, uh, since we're both kind of lyric-centric, um, would you say the song we're about to hear, Fantasy Baseball at the End of the World, is a lot like the weaker than no. material? Okay. No, this is more later stuff, a little bit more literal. I mean, it's not the... It's still poetry, man, but it's it really not is, the yeah. unforgettable poetry that he made in the early 2000s. I mean, it's astonishing stuff. So for me and for people listening right now, what Weaker Than's album should we start with? Either Left and Leaving or Reconstruction. Okay, side. cool. And I'm very excited to listen to a John K. song. Let's jump podcast. into it. This is John K. Sampson, Fantasy Baseball at the End of the World. I manage my fantasy baseball team better than I manage my anger these days. And I trade my best pitcher for a draft pick and a picture of the president writhing in pain. It's a weird thing to wish for, but I can't stop wishing, refreshing the browser someday. If I live long enough and the world doesn't end, my wish will come true in a way. And he'll die like we all die in pain or sleep And we'll still have our fantasy baseball And the next fascist fucker in line for the job Of demolishing hope for us all So I'm putting in love now I'm putting in faith Putting fear on a long-term I.L. I'm going outside I'm gonna help organize Something better Something beautiful K. Sampson, Fantasy Baseball at the End of the World. And in two minutes, that dude just said something that has been on every American's mind for the past three and a half years. And he's Canadian. 
and he's Canadian, which is the biggest and thing. And I love that he has solutions at the end. It's a sad bastard music. Right. Talking about the end of the world, but gonna the go end, outside. I'm going to I'm going to help organize, organize something better. Something better, something, something beautiful. beautiful. Wow. I can't, I mean, he spoke He spoke for himself there. I mean, I, I can't. It's, it's, it's really fantastic. I'm glad. Thank you for that that discourse. I, I really, bands. I really hope you get into them because I think you'll find there's a I'm lot sure. to attach. You and I have to. a if lot. If you like that, then you will love the weaker dance. Okay, cool. That's good. That's good to know, and that's good to know for the listeners out there who are. There's a song there's the called well. a weaker dance song called "My Favorite My Favorite Chords," and verse two through pretty much the end of the song was basically my vows at my wedding. <laughs> I hope Jess isn't listening to this right they now. They were. She she knows. I oh, mean, I just knows. recited okay. weaker. They, they, they fit. <laughs> we didn't want to do vows, so oh I just was like, God. well, can I read I'm this? I'm sorry to just cackle at that, I know, but I cannot I know, believe your stupid. wedding vows were song lyrics. That is the most <laughs> vows. late it was 30s musician. Late 30s. <laughs> All right, so it wasn't my oh. vows per se. It was just we didn't want to do vows because it was right, just... And then vows I was are like, cheeky as fuck. Right, and I was like, well, can I read something and she thought probably was going to be like from a novel but it was weaker than oh my god cam i mean i still stand by it they're beautiful no it's okay you should stand by it the second you're not standing by it is the second it becomes an offense so i always will submit yourself dude that's now i wish i was uh invited to your wedding which is probably something we're going to bring up every you weren't there god damn oh God damn the horse you rode in on. You shit. Well, you of a dirty bitch. motherfucking motherfucking son of a bitch motherfucker. Speaking of so many fucks oh, and man, one I'm, sentence, I'm just getting them in out there so I can get in the mood. Let's uh well since we're both Who's in ready the to mood, fuck. I'm ready, let's fuck. Who Daddy wants to fuck <laughs> oh, for all wow. the David Lynch fans out there. Wow, that was great. Rest in peace, Dennis Hopper. Um I thought okay. you were gonna say David Lynch and I almost lost him. Like, did he die? I'm not dead. <laughs> What are you talking about, Cam? You were doing David Lynch earlier, and I thought I thought it was better, honestly. <laughs> now that you're on the spot, I'm not feeling it. I know I can't do it, but speaking of not being able to do anything right, let's jump into this Listomania. Oh, man. Here we go. Listomania! So the very best fucks in music. Do you want to start with some backstory? I, I read into it. I want you to take the talking stick on this one. Okay, so interestingly enough, as far as popular music, just like we've been talking about, uh, it kind of started coming through in like the 20s. Okay. And one of the first is uh, a blues singer, black female blues singer. Okay. Uh, Lucille Bogan. Okay. And she had a couple different versions of a song called Shave Em Dry. Okay, which you can find on uh, on the YouTube's. Uh, well, now I'm I'm intrigued about the song. Do you know much about the song? I listened to it. It's kind of hard to hear because uh, <laughs> it's an old timey recording, right? But you can you can kind of pick it out. And a lot of these old timey, they really sped the the fuck up. You know, <laughs> sped the fuck sped up. Sped the fuck. <laughs> wow. The, you know, they, they, they tried to get it out. So maybe it's like my first band my first punk band uh-huh. growing up we recorded at like you know from a small town so the guy who recorded our first ep was like was he a christian y- the youth group christian <laughs> guy ha- happened to have some knew recording it. equipment i saw the look on your so face so we were just speeding through all the swear words during the during the vocal process it's kind of like it's like when you're testing the waters as a kid too and you're about to drop your first use of profanity in front of your parents and you're like okay when's the right time when's the right time like fuck you dad like oh no that was the wrong time and of course you got grounded for a couple months after that right um another big notable one moving to the 60s is hey jude 
which I, I was I talked to you I think briefly about this, but most Very people briefly, don't know this. I didn't I, know this either. I read about this. I listen. I re-listened to Hey Jude when you told me about it, mm-hmm. and I still could not hear you can't it. Can't pick mix. it out. I mean, I'm going deaf genetically speaking, uh, as many audiologists have told me. So right. maybe I just can't hear anything. What did you just say? But where is the fuck in Hey Jude? It's right before the three minute mark. And once you know, it's, I think it's... That's pre-na-na-na-na, right? Yes, pre. Um, I think it's Lennon goes off the mic and says, fucking hell. Of course it was Lennon that said that. It says it was either Paul McCartney or John Lennon. It was Lennon. Depending Paul- on who's telling the story, it says. Oh, okay. I'm See, I'm going to go with Lennon on that one. Paul was a good boy. Lennon was the jealous wife beater who'd scream fuck in a session if he felt right. like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's in there. You can hear it if you, if you re-listen to Hey Jude right before three minutes. Somebody goes off mic and goes, fucking hell. And it's super British. Huh. So British. Yeah. Like it almost like you could hear the crumpet falling out of their mouth. <laughs> That's probably what why they were mad. <laughs> uh, uh, any more history on the F-U-C-K? Just, uh, just a couple of those little things. I mean, it's just amazing to me as far as music goes. You know, it hasn't been around that long. It really hasn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and for me personally with the history growing up uh, on punk rock and all sorts of different the 90s. The 90s, oh, yeah. a perfectly placed F word, would make your song I've, a hit. I've, oh, yeah. I've got a 90s pick on my list. Too. I have a ton of them. Oh, 90s picks are kind of my bread and butter. Because that's what I looked for in music when I was young. Yeah. I liked the F word. I liked right. music. If they merged, I was by, I was, I was at Sam Goody the, the next F day. word is actually phonetically one of the most fun things to it's say. It's funny, too. I've, I've been in bands with people who prefer other ones. Like, I, I've been in bands with Joey Ciara, Fakers. Mm-hmm. From, right. He's also from Henry, Henry Clay people. Right. He prefers shit. He huh. says shit in almost every one of his songs. He <laughs> loves it, which I never work in that good of a shit. I don't. I think it's all, it's all about you know how you say it. Like right. he says shit approach, really well. Yeah. So how does he say it? Like shit. Yeah. Like more of a shit. <laughs> yeah. So and that works. See, when I say shit, like shit. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, it's not musical. There's but not fuck enough. It's so fuck. musical. Fuck. Yeah. And also, also, it's like, are you paying attention? <laughs> right. Yes. Do I have your fucking attention? Right. Well, let's do some honorable mentions. Okay. And then we'll do a 10, and, 10 to 1 ping back and forth of our most prominent favorite fucks. I don't have any honorable mentions, but I am going to go ahead and spoil this entire list by saying that all of my 10 selects are actually that one Mumford & Sons song where he says, <laughs> I really fucked it up this time, didn't I, my dear? <laughs> so I won't be contributing to the list today. Get out. Because <laughs> that's all That's all 10 of my That's all ten of my selects. I was thinking... Thinking about bringing in Pennywise, fuck authority, Ooh, or nice. Limp Biscuit break stuff. Break stuff. Limp Biscuit. You could choose. I mean, there. I mean, they every slipped Limp the F bomb in, into uh, the George Michael cover, didn't they? Uh, they did. Yes. That's not even necessary. That's not necessary. And what did they say? Uh, Get the fuck up. Get the fuck up. <laughs> Get the fuck up. What is it? Is that? Are they talking to their fan? Who are they talking? Who are they? What's the deal there? I don't. Maybe they were talking to. I mean, George Michael wasn't dead at the time, but maybe they had this premonition that he would die. Maybe they were talking to his corpse. And if I remember correctly, that's where the turntables hit. <laughs> Get the fuck up! Yeah. God damn it, that sucks. Okay, well, we brought up some <laughs> shitty ones. Um, you know, I don't know. All these, all these honorable mentions are just awesome. throw them out there, dude. You know, like we got Kitty 
President of the United States of America. Oh, I forgot about the fucking Fuck kitty. Fuck you, kitty. Yeah, yo, yo, yo spend the night, night. outside. <laughs> of course, like we talked a little on Dookie. We didn't yeah. have Dookie Day, but Longview is we, a big fuck song. Uh, we missed Dookie Day because there are five Sundays this month. And for people who didn't listen to the last episode, Dookie Day is the third Sunday of every month. Listen to Dookie in its entirety. The greatest thing about Dookie Day is that it happens every month. So just go ahead and imbibe, please, right. with us. Thanks for that little drop there. Yep. Like we're, we have ads now. Uh, everybody cares. Everybody understands. Elliot Smith. Ah, that's a big one. Uh, somebody kill me off the what? Just to call back to our soundtracks from the, the wedding, wedding singer. singer soundtrack. But uh, it was all bullshit. It was a goddamn joke. And when I think of you, Linda, I hope you fucking choke. God, what that a one's good, a kind of cheat, but dude, it, it has a nice payoff. It's that, okay. That fuck, that, you that, know the fuck's coming too, because the other coming. swear words uh-huh. are foreshadowing. For sure, yeah. Fuck shadowing. <laughs> um, that was a really good honorable mention. Keep throwing these out. This is yeah. fun. Um, I have a Radiohead one in my top ten. Don't. But other Radiohead ones. I'm not going to mention big ones. I'm going like to mention we, small ones. I feel like we brought the same track. A wolf at the door. No. Oh, wait, where's the fuck in that? Uh, it's in one of his don't verse fucka, Don't you fuck it, don't you fuck it, don't you dare. Don't also, you... on the flip side, solo project, Black Swan. Oh, yeah, Black Swan. And That's this good... is fucked up. up. Split the word fucked like that. Fucked up. Damn. Dude, I missed so many on my list, and I know we brought the same Radiohead oh, yeah. song. I know uh, we did. Uh, I feel like this one I have to mention because it was, I remember my dad showing me this song and talking about how when he was growing up or in high school this was controversial right and it's the who's who are you oh yeah oh who the fuck are you (laughs) (laughs) i am not a who fan only because roger daltrey really like i can't stand his voice i really can't (laughs) and it's yeah this this fuck doesn't even sound good but on the same classic rock end uh the doors the end oh yeah that one's a that one's a scary one. And that What's one, the fuck in the end? He says he's he's talking he's like he's gonna fuck some. Oh, and mother, I'm going. He pulled the Freud. He yeah. pulled the he pulled the Freudian and slip. It scared everyone. That one's like freaked. Well, yeah, everyone when out. you say mother, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it's, father, uh, yes, son, I'm going to kill acid you. At the whiskey. <laughs> You know what? Jim Morrison's a fucking hack. You heard it here first yeah, on the yeah. Go Parade. I'm not the biggest fan either, but yeah, we'll let it be. We don't need to go all there now. Uh, w- one of my honorable mentions obviously has to be said here before we get into the list because it's one of the greatest American compositions of all time, okay. and that is Stained. It's been a while. God damn it. <laughs> get out. And it's been a while I didn't even... since I've gone and fucked things up just like I always do. Okay. You know well, you love I'll it, dude. I'll edit that out for sure because I, I, the song is actually, maybe we can do a list like this. That song is a pet peeve of mine. It's a huge pet peeve of mine, uh, not like Not the song itself, but when you say, when somebody says, oh, man, it's been a while, and then somebody else goes, it's, it's been, been a while. while. Like, oh, my God. Don't do happens. that. <laughs> don't fucking do that. And when that happens, I lose my fucking mind. Oh, well, yeah. Can you hear me clapping into the microphone? I'm <laughs> I glad like I pissed it. off Cam today. I try to piss you off at least once every episode. All right. Well, We've been doing a lot of singing together well we're gonna today. we have to sing these fucks i feel like to really sell them so that's, that's gonna true. be happening a lot that's i say true. we get in let's get into the okay 10. cool so you go okay you start us off side a side mr a. cameron demetric everybody sultry voice post-punk king of los angeles coming in at his number 10 uh, first i gotta take one that's really uh, we mentioned earlier really on the nose 
really on the nose. Rage Against the Machine, killing in the name of. Okay, I get it, dude. I understand that. Yeah, so, you have to have it. I mean, it's 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 because it's so on the nose and repeated that it's hilarious to me because the whole in section of the song, the climax of the song on the radio is so funny. What was the radio edit for it's that? It's just like it just like goes from that chorus, then it's like. Oh, they don't even get into the fuck <laughs> you, could, I won't do what, what you tell me. What could they do? Uh, yeah. Mess you, I won't do what you tell me. It says it like 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, that's that's a, I mean, anthem style for a concert F word. Completely. Like, fuck. I mean, it's just, that's a goddamn there were some protest. Real, there were F-word. some on the nose ones that I didn't bring that I was very scared to bring, which is why I didn't. That's one Such of two as, very on the nose ones I brought. Did you bring Nine Inch Nails closer? I did. Fuck. Because you have to. I understand, but it's That's just... another on the nose one you have to bring. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I, I'm sorry I said it then. Because that one's have. scary as well. That one scared people. It scared a generation of children. Well, we'll talk to that. We'll talk about that when we get to it in your list. All right. I don't number want, 10. My number 10, I'm a massive cake fan. Okay. I love cake. I don't care if you like cake out there or not. I understand. Cake doesn't care if you like cake. No, cake doesn't give a shit, which is why I like cake so much. And I get it. There's only so much of like, all right. Okay. Oh yeah, that one can handle and like spaghetti I'm western just, guitar. I, for lit. me, it's just I'm sick of that fucking cover of "I Will Survive." Yeah, I can't. Which, I can't hear that again. Okay, man. so I didn't bring "I Will Survive," but there is a fuck in that one too. Really? I should have changed my fucking lock. I should have made you leave your key. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. But at the same time, it we're, it kind of goes back to the Fred Durst putting the fuck into right. the Faith cover. Right. So Cake has a song simply called Nugget off right. of their 1996 album Fashion Nugget, which is awesome. The chorus is mainly composed of group chants of just... Shut the fuck. All right. Shut the fuck up. Like, that's the entire chorus for right. the most part. And when I heard that as a kid, especially because, you know, I had heard The Distance, I had heard Never There. Never you There. Know, that's, so that's a great song. When I dug into their. Up. Yeah, it does hold up. When I dig into their. Well, when I first dug into their actual discography and I heard that, which was like a track 10, mm-hmm. I was really enamored as a child. That was one of the first. And I feel like a lot of these are going to be. The F words that like changed us, called us to action as yes, children. Ag- precisely. Um, okay, number nine. Moving on swiftly. Uh, you're breaking my heart, Harry Nilsson. Oh wow! Of course, dude. Good call. You're breaking my heart. You tear me apart. So fuck you. <laughs> that song was fucking ripped off by CeeLo Green, and you will not see that song on my list with his "fuck you" song, which also sucks. Oh, was that, that song the fucking sucks? Wait, was that the one with the radio edit? Forget yeah. you and that song sucks. That, that song does suck. Yeah. It's like male gaslighting too. It's like it doesn't <laughs> yeah, hold dude, up at all. It doesn't. And <laughs> but you're ter- you're breaking my heart. Harry Nilsson is a classic, and the that only reason that song is not a radio hit. Is because he insisted on saying "fuck you." He was like, Harry Nilsson. Isn't, isn't the story Actually, something like the Beatles told him like that could be a hit? And he, yeah, I think him just, and John Lennon were doing a bunch of cocaine in the studio, right? Um, trying to blow each other's voices out. Oh, they definitely. Yeah, um, that's literally how he lost his voice. They were in a screaming competition. Really? And apparently, he blew out his beautiful tenor. I can't stand John Lennon at all, uh, <laughs> and for so many reasons. Here's a good reason, is, right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, number nine for me, 
is another one of those, oh my God, did I just hear what I just heard? Okay. Uh, when I bought Dre's Chronic 2001. Oh yeah, big time. Obviously, plenty of fucks on that record. Mm-hmm. And hip hop in general. That's why rap. it was hard for me to bring in any hip hop because I'm like, which one do I choose? Right. Um, but yeah, go on. This one was big for me because this is actually, this isn't one of the singles on the album. This is, also, did you know 2001 was released in 1999? <laughs> Chronic 2001 was released in 1999. I don't which, even need that knowledge. You, that you knowledge don't, exhausts but, but now me. you <laughs> now you know. <laughs> now you can bring it up at a at a dinner party. I feel like um, if I brought that up anywhere, people would be like, Shut "We up. don't care." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my tune from it. Dre's 2001 is "Let's Get High." Oh hell yeah! Because mm. specifically, just because of the intro, and obviously one of the words in the intro is not my word to use, so I'm going to. Right. Leave it out, but and also this is kind of like I understand th- this needs to be said. There are a lot of derogatory feelings against women in rap songs, and like hoes and you know objectifying them, and that's not at all what I'm getting at with right. this pick. It's just as a kid when I heard this, it kind of changed my life. It honestly made me feel sexy. Right. It's one <laughs> of the few songs that'll get me on a pole too. Like if I'm at a strip club and it's amateur hour. And let's get what high. What situations are you in where this happens? I, I mean, I love it, but that's, I've, that's, I've never, I've never different been like, pod. oh shit, I better jump on that pole. I'll invite but you I'd to my to. next birthday yeah, party. Let's do this. Um, so Although the beginning, now, no. the beginning of let's Another get COVID high nightmare. is all these and all these hoes and somebody here gon' fuck. All these <sighs> and all these hoes and, and somebody, somebody here, here gon' fuck. fuck. Right. And I just like when I first heard that, I, God, I mean, I was probably you're like, you know what? That probably is inevitable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In that scenario. And hell yeah. I was Let's maybe eleven or twelve when I heard that. And That's I a party. Thought, yeah. I thought this is how I want to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, That's my nine. Moving on. Number eight. Most Number impactful. Eight. Fuck. Uh, this one goes because I wanted to get one in here where you might not even know the song says fuck because it's so smoothly delivered within the lyrics and the singing. So I brought in Two Weeks by FK Twigs. I haven't heard it. You're going to have to explain this It's Twigs' probably biggest hit. I don't know if you know Twigs. Well, I do know Twigs. Yeah. I, it's not a discography that I've dug I into. I can't though. sing that song that octave. You know? Why did you bring that one in? Because it slips it in the chorus. And I didn't even know till I read the lyrics when I when I I love the those album. songs. And it's such a sexy chorus. I think it's gotten through like the radio probably because people don't know. People it's, have no idea. They just probably yeah. don't know. Yeah. Um, and I just love that song. So I, I, I'm going to need to listen to it. And also for the listener, in case you don't know, Cam, you put together all of these lists on Spotify, right? You Every may- time, yeah. I, I get hit up sometimes by people that listen to it be like, I wish I had the, the playlist. And I always have the playlist before the episode comes out. So if you go to my Spotify, you can What's your Spotify it. name so people Go can Parade. Find it. Okay, cool. Go Parade, Great. baby. Uh, moving on to number eight. I wonder if you have this one um, because it's, and also, th- this might be kind of like the double header when you bring in a song that has fuck in the title as okay. well. Have we had that yet? No, we haven't. We haven't. No. So this will be the first one. We'll call this the double header. Double your pleasure, double your fun. Dead Kennedy's Nazi See, Punk's Fuck, fuck off. off. Because the only oh, thing yeah. cooler than telling a Nazi to fuck off is killing one. And sometimes you just can't kill all the Nazis in front right. of you. So you've got to tell them to fuck off. Yeah. And that was, At punk shows and such. Exactly. That, that, 
that song was a big part. Like you'd almost consider that too on the nose if you grew up in the punk rock because that's like fuck the police. Yeah, uh, killing which I didn't of. bring. Did you bring fuck no. the police? Because again, I mean, obviously it is one of the right. greatest songs with fuck in it. Absolutely, but yeah, it's too on the nose. It's way too on the nose. Um, if you guys haven't listened to Dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. It feels like a great release. Yeah, uh, when you're and that was 1981. Uh, all right, number seven, I got Frank Ocean Nights. Oh, it just has multiple F words, but they're all so good. Right. Yeah, every, give us a couple. Of every them night fucks every day up. Every day fucks every night up. No white lighters till I fuck my 28th up. Oh, wow. Which I find to be an incredible lyric. No, that that, is, can you that, explain that for the listener? Because the I've, myth that all the 27 club died with white lighters in their pocket. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't understand the correlation of the white lighter in the 27 club. I've always known that white lighters are a thing. That's a thing because supposedly every 27 year old now Kurt Cobain Janis Joplin, Joplin. Jimi Hendrix all right. had white lighters in their pockets when they died at age of 27 no shit that's not true it's a myth it's, one of, it's an urban legend of course but yeah. the lyric no white lighters till I fuck my 28th up that's is awesome yeah that's a really hot lyric <laughs> yeah fucking on you when I didn't own a mattress that's a good one too <laughs> Wow, dude, what we have been wasting our fucks in our songwriting oh, when we hear here. stuff like that. These what do you got for really seven fucks? I I wouldn't be predictable, Al, if I didn't bring in a broken social scene song, Ooh. and I did not bring in cause equals time. I was wondering if it was, I thought I didn't bring it either. Oh, really? I see. I would have brought it in if I thought I thought that you were going to bring it in. So I actually I chose, think that fuck could actually be more enunciated. So I, I think, think so I don't too. think it's a good enough fuck. I love. Cause equals time. Yeah, I'm not up. talking any shit on it, but um, I'm just saying it's so not the most notable. I brought thing. in something off of 2010's Forgiveness Rock record, uh-huh. and it's almost a seven-minute track eight that could really be considered a B-side track. It's called Ungrateful Little Father. Right? Do you know Ungrateful yeah. Little Father? And it's just Kevin Drew like punctuating every few lines with Ungrateful Little Motherfucker. Yeah. Bottom to. And it's just it, like the I like way that song. I love that. There's some too. of that album that I kind of don't like. Really? Uh, yeah. Do you not like the ballads? I just don't feel like. I feel like it's when they're starting to feel tired. Almost. There's. I don't know. This I is my be- personal opinion. I feel. I feel bad because they're such a great band. It's I not like for Forgiveness rip. Rock Record. It took me a while to get into it. I like some you. of their class. I mean, Sweetest Kill is incredible. Sweetest Kill's great. Texaco bitches is <laughs> all. What? Texaco bitches. I don't know. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just not the biggest forgiveness rock record. I mean, thing. it's not their best album by Definitely not. far. But <laughs> I mean, it's worse than self-titled and self-titled isn't perfect either. No, it's not. But we're not here to discuss that. We're not. So but let's move on. I'm sorry for even bringing it up. It wasn't even necessary. I That's think, a good fuck. I think you're going to have to use some pre-recordings of me to splice up and do the rest of this episode because I'm fucking leaving. I already told you. How's like. that for fun? <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number six. Number uh, six. Which I begged you to listen to, but I don't think you listened to, is Villain by The Deadly Syndrome, a local band. Um, the Deadly Syndrome? Yes. I've never seen their name anywhere. They're a local group? Yeah, they, they broke up the second you moved here. Oh, I think. perfect. Uh, uh, just like a lot of the divorces that have happened in my life, like parents divorced right when I was born. Uh, this is my, my mid-30s, and, like I'm like holier than thou, like holding this over you. Like you don't even know the scene. Oh, bro. dude, I wish I could go back and listen to that record again for the first time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but the, the Deadly Syndrome were actually, even before I was in L.A., uh, they, their first album was big, and they actually were signed to Dim Mac. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, super random indie rock getting signed to more of a electronic, electronic record yeah. label, right? Yeah, and then they something happened. I don't know what, but they came out with their second album, Nolan's Volans, like four years later, and they sounded hundred percent different. Huh? Do you think the label had anything to do with that? It wasn't on the label. They were no longer on that label. It was self released. They did two more albums, both a couple of my favorite albums to ever come out of Los Angeles. Huh? Uh, but they're they're very sad. They're very sad and dark. And I'm very much looking forward to diving into. I don't the know Deadly what Syndrome. happened between their first album and their second and third, but they're significantly different sounding. But the first song on Nolan's Fallen is called "Villain," and it's sparse. It's just him on an acoustic guitar talking about how he's the villain. And then the bridge, the only part that changes in the song, he says, "Why don't you just go fuck off and die?" Oh, beautiful! Oh my God, fuck off and die! The and last track on Dookie should have been brought to the oh, table. Oh, wow! True. Well, I, I brought up Longview. I mean, Dookie in you're general did, is, uh, a, is a big right, fuck album. Right. So that's mine. It's my number six. That was the Deadly, Deadly Syndrome. Syndrome. The song's called Villain. Mm-hmm. Big time. Uh, my number six should be number one on every list, and that is one of the biggest albums of the 90s. Also, one of the best albums of the 90s, Alanis Morissette. Oh, you son of a bitch. You ought to know. That's my number three. Jagged Little Pill, 1995. Well, I let's know. talk about it. I mean, I guess we should. Yes. Uh, and coincidentally enough, I don't know if you if you figured this out. I mean, I've listened to Jagged Little Pill hundreds of times. Um, I've and of course I've heard the line at what is it at one forty nine? Are you thinking of me when you fuck her? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the only explicit track on that album. Yeah, uh, and I very much know that because this song. My mom bought this album, <laughs> Jagged Little <laughs> and Pill, she and was we horrified. Drove, and I heard the whole album. Except you ought to know a thousand times before I ever. Well, I heard you ought to know one on MTV, so I knew no it was. Way. But she would skip it. She was hiding it from you. She That's would track skip it. two. True. She would skip right to track three. Oh my god! Right to forgiveness or whatever is track. Three Does is. your mom listen to these? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Mrs. Demetric, you have really just you. You've unafforded your son to grow up. She didn't want to hear. That was a big thing. That's why I think I loved the F word so much in music growing up because I wasn't allowed to listen to him. So it created this forbidden art taboo. Yeah, yeah it's that just I like was in love with. Like when people go to Catholic schools, they're pregnant as soon as right. they get to college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I needed and like of course I was in a punk band that just swore every other word. Oh yeah, like yeah, let's get these F words out in the open. Yeah. And that one uh, on on you ought to know is so powerful. It's so beyond powerful, just, dude. Like the whole story is building uh. up to that. You you kind of know the whole song. She's gonna say it, dude. And the line before that about Mister Duplicity, I didn't mean to bug you in the middle of dinner. Oh, like leading up, to delivered ah. the dinner is the dinner dinner, <laughs> and uh. it's about that dude from Full House, Joey. What? Yeah, you know this, right? No, I Joey, had no idea. the the doofy uncle from not the hot uncle. The, uh, John Stamos is the hot uncle, right? The other, the, the doof- guy who kind of looks like Jeff Daniels. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Oh it's shit! It's about him. She was dating him. They were and banging, was, and he was cheating on her. What? It's about that. Loser. Okay, when you're Mister Doofy like that guy is, yeah. and you're you're banging, you're boinking the more set. You don't you yeah. don't commit adultery right. on that. That's no. insane. That guy fucked up. Speaking yeah. of another impactful fuck, that guy fucked up. He did, and that's Uncle why she... Uncle Doofy. Uncle Doofy got <laughs> called out in that song, big time. He should have known. He should have... He ought to know. <laughs> you ought to know, Uncle Doofy. I'm sorry I took away your three. No, 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 no. I'm just glad we're on the same page there. Well, I think you're about to take away... You probably... I'm going to take away yours on the next one. 
Number it, five. Did you bring Radiohead for five? Yeah, but depends on which Radiohead. I think it's the same one. Talk show host. Yeah, you didn't bring Creep. Right? No. Okay. But we'll, we're going to get into Creep. From okay, so you took away my... You took away my number two. Oh, well, that's fair as fair. Okay, it is, it is fair. Eye for an eye here at the Go Definitely parade. my wife, first thing she mentioned when I'm like, when I was like, Bunny, what's the best fucks in music? She and she was said like, talk show host. She's like, talk show host. Yeah. And, well, fucking will come. And I think, it, yeah, I think it, this one's about the delivery is oh, yeah. so musical and has so much like swag to okay, it. Okay, here's a question for you then, because we were just talking about the, uh, the, the unnecessary fucks. The fuck and talk show host is not at all necessary. That's not needed. Right. So they put it there intentionally to weaponize that particular usage of the word to make the the to make the uh, the reciting of it more emphatic obviously, right. right? Like because it feels aggressive. Well, fucking will come and find I think it's me. very necessary because the next line is about him waiting with a gun and a pack, pack of, sandwiches. of sandwiches, right? And he doesn't sound intimidating alone. But the way he just swore makes makes it you're you're more likely to be watching the gun than the pack of sandwiches. That's true, <laughs> unless you're hungry <laughs> and bulletproof. I uh, wish I was. I wish I was. Damn! Wow, that was Very really nice. good. That was yeah, good. thanks, dude. Um, that was your number five, right? And you just yes, took my was, number two. Yep. All right, I'm moving into my number five then. <clears throat> and speaking of punk, as we were earlier, one of my favorite punk bands when I first got into punk was Crass. Massive Crass. Oh, big fan. time. Um, Steve Ignorant, the way he says fuck, like he's also have he also has a mouthful of blood, um, yeah. is like my Hell kind yeah. of way. So obviously one of their more popular songs, and if I had a real punk sitting in front of me, a real crust punk, squatting punk, he'd call me a fucking poser for bringing this particular song. But Band from the Roxy, cool, um, is one of the greatest uses of that, and it's I think it's at twenty five seconds, like. Do they think it ties and microphones are just fucking toys? Fuck them. He has that like, fuck them. Yeah. Banned is, from the Roxy is, is the title, right? Banned from the Roxy. And that's oh, crass. Yeah. And that was the, off of their debut, The Feeding of the 5,000. And that was in 1978, dude. Yeah. Uh, Some would consider them the first punk band, at least the first I, LA. So when people, and this, I think you and I have had this conversation even, yeah. when people say like, oh yeah, I listen to punk. I love Rancid. Yeah. <laughs> when I hear that, like I think about the the punk bands that I got into, like Cress and Germs, and yeah. a lot of these, like r- like I identify as real punk bands. Mm-hmm. Like Rancid, obviously, is funny. Punk. Funny enough, I just interject here. Please. Today, I noticed on the internet that I just saw a suggested post that Rancid had posted because it's their it, today is the twenty fifth anniversary of Outcome the Wolves. Oh no, shit. And I mean, I love the that comments. Record. The I, comments on that post was like, if you wanted like the poser poli- police to bust down every door, <laughs> you could just find everyone in that comment section's homes. Can, can you You're like uh, definitely time bomb, bro? Oh, when I first no. heard time bomb, and then it's like, well, of course, Ruby Soho, Journey to the End. Oh no! Like these songs all fucking suck. They actually do suck. <laughs> there are much better songs on that. Yeah, record. there's better albums. Yeah, there are better albums. Too. I mean, I pretty much when I put on Outcome of the Wolves, I. Listen Listen to Maxwell Murder, and then I turn it off. Yeah, you're not an Olympia Washington guy. I guess that's a good song, dude. That's Olympia Washington—that's a great song, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm not being fair. I just like other albums by them. I'm. You're but, a life won't wait guy, right? Weirdly enough, that's I am. so strange. I know it's weird. I wonder if we have any rancid fans listening right now. Probably not. Probably no, not. No. Um, but back to it. When people say like, "Oh yeah, I love punk. I love rancid," it's like, eh, nah. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crass though. Crass is definitely fucking punk. <laughs> 
Well, shit, my number four was closer. It was? Yes. I'm um, sorry. It's okay. I mean, we still are talking about it. It's, we have to talk about it. It's a big one. I mean, that song scared me away from listening to Nine Inch Nails for a while. I can I understand young, that, for sure. I was like... Well, the video was also rather frightening. The full, Yes, the video is very memorable, but the full lyric... Is disturbing. No I matter how feel you feel, you from the inside. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing just scares you. It's it's horror poetry. <laughs> so um, and it's still a good choice to bring. It was obviously one of the first three. It's songs a violent that I fuck. About. It's a rapey. It fuck. is. It is a very. But he obviously didn't mean it that. No, way. I know. But he, he meant to to come off as scary for sure. Well, because he it's was like that. He was shock rock at the right. time. And Trent Reznor, like, love him or hate him, he's always been trailblazing in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, I've never been a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, which... Um, I am a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. So I really respect his... Like, dude, Pretty Hate Machine is yeah. fucking incredible. For I, I like minute. what I hear. I've seen him live a couple times. I've thought it's great. It, they're just, incredible live. Yeah. I worked with him at a uh, recording studio. I worked with him when I was please first don't, interning. Please right. don't tell me he was a shithead. He was awesome. He was oh, he super was? Cool. Really? Um, he... He, he was always really nice to me. I think he gravitated towards me over the other interns because you could tell I didn't want to talk to him about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So For he sure. was like really chill with me and just talked to me like a normal Normal human person. Being. He was yeah. chill. The, the whole weird, team was cool. The weird thing about Closer, I don't know if you... Have you ever listened to Disney radio? No. Did you know that Disney radio did a cover of Closer Ooh, with like Goofy? Like pop? Yeah, it was version? Goofy as the main vocal, <laughs> and it was, I want to yuck you like an animal. Oh, that sounds like something to go on the Worst Songs to Have Sex To <laughs> Have you heard about this playlist on Spotify? No, Worst Songs to Have Sex To? I don't know who made this playlist. What's on there? Oh, man, I'm just going to go ahead and go you to it so to. I can read some we of these. We have to have this it, detour. Yeah. I, I saw a tweet about it, and... It was about it was it was a girl tweeting about how her and her boyfriend put it on and tried to get through as much of it as they could before he went soft. <laughs> what was that? was it like Margaritaville? Let's see. And... Just reading. The, we got Angel, Sarah McLaughlin, Reading Rainbow theme song, <laughs> Cotton Eye Joe, <laughs> Jesus Take the Wheel, Carrie Underwood, The Law and Order theme song. You got a friend in me, Randy Newman. Pretty <laughs> fly a for a rabbi. Oh my god! <laughs> She'll be coming around. The <laughs> <laughs> Macarena. This is what reminded me of it. The kids' bop version of Thrift Shop by Macklemore. What? <laughs> oh my God. Dude. A Million Miles by Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> I have actually had sex to A Million Miles. You know, I actually, I got I to gotta say, uh, Jess was saying a lot of these songs, she'd be like, I wouldn't mind. No, Cotton Eye Joe? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's got to be. Dude, I would love. I'm selling out my wife here, but the first song she said, I actually wouldn't mind this, was the Law & Order theme song. What? She's, she's like... I guess it's kind of sexy. <laughs> and like kind of like that dingy city like oh, yeah. vibe, you know? I agree. I am so glad you just put Jess on blast. Oh, that's Bunny, too if you're listening right now... Oh, it gets dark down here, too. You got tears in... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh Jesus! Wait, what? For the listener, what's the Spotify playlist called? Worst songs to have sex to. I can't wait. When I look at this playlist, I do remember one certain. All I'm going to say is sexual encounter I was having in college, where I had. It's an okay, M dude. You're married. An now. MP3 CD on, so you know. Remember MP3 CDs? Did it have like a hundred and fifty <laughs> songs on it? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I remember MP3. So CDs. like whatever we were listening to had finished, and the next thing I had on that. <laughs> Was the song "Welcome Home" by Coheed and Cambria? Oh my God! And Did you try to get through it? Yeah, and she stopped me. She's like, "Can you please Can you change this? turn this off?" <laughs> and it's the only time I remember that happening, where it was like the music is 
killed this. The last time I uh, actually, like, the last time something was on shuffle and I was having sex that I had to stop and change it was, I'm not going to talk about who it was with, um, but it was Take It Easy by the Eagles. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So take it easy. See, these are both great contenders for this playlist. Yeah. Where did we get, how did we get here? Um, anyway, I want to yuck you like an animal, the Disney cover <laughs> yeah. of Nine Inch Nails Closer. So what's your number four? Going back to rap. Hell yeah. Because this one also changed my life. This was one of those songs that I heard the radio edit of on the Rush Hour soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Are we talking Jay-Z? Jay-Z, Can I Get Up. Oh, love it. And I didn't hear... And dude, and also... That's a good fuck. How did it, I miss it that It is, one? I know. And it was one of the first I thought of, too. So... <sighs> Really so good. For those really who, good. For those who aren't Jay fans, this that's was such a hot of, beat. It's such, a, such hot a hot beat. East it's actually Coast one beat. of the best Jay songs of all time. It's too. why I bought Volume Two. <laughs> volume Two, Hard Knock Life, is what this is off of. This was in 1998. This is pre Big Pimpin' era, so like Jay was obviously still considered one of the greatest rappers of the time, but he wasn't. He hadn't reached the popularity that he would. But in the radio edit, it was "Can I Get a What What," which right. was also on the radio or the, on the. Um, on the Rush Hour soundtrack. And then when you listen to Volume 2, Hard Knock Life rendition of Can I Get A, it's Can I Get A Fuck You. Right. And What What and Fuck You are two completely different things. And I love that where you hear something for a certain way forever. And yeah. And then you're like, wait a minute. Like, I don't know if you know Blink-182 well, but do you know the album Take Off Your Pants and Jacket? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That track for Happy Holidays, You Bastard, I got the edited version. And it's just music. It's just instrumental. <laughs> and then at the end, they say, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> and I'm like, what an odd little ditty. How I'm like, strange. that's a minute and a half of it's just power fun. chords. Yeah. And Travis Barker's excessive drumming. And then they say, I'll never talk to you again. I like it. I was for it. And then when I heard the unedited version, I'm like, oh, oh my God, he's just swearing why. through this whole thing. Yeah, I there was no under- way to edit it. Well, I had to steal my sister's version of Can Volume I get a- 2, a Hard Knock Life, to actually hear. Right. And dude, the first time I heard it, when I heard that first, can I get a fuck you, I just... I, I felt like I had been lied to. Like, it was like finding out <laughs> Santa Claus wasn't real. Like, what? I've been saying what, what this yeah. entire time. Like a total poser. I've been yeah. walking around saying what, what? Yo, I've like, been saying can I get what, a what, what, what to what? everyone. Yeah, it's like, what, what? <laughs> hey, Billy, what, what? Like, fuck. Oh, that's so sad. Well, my number three was you ought to know, so let's go to your number three. My number three had to, had to bring a Prince track in mm. because when Prince says fuck, it is much... I looked over all the Prince fuck, so I'm curious which one you're bringing in. Also, before... We didn't even talk about the alternate titles of this list. Um, I want to call this list Eat Shit Tipper Gore. <laughs> right. Because she was the one who you know, started this like, whole... Fuck you, Tipper Gore. Fuck you, Tipper Gore. Right. She's the one who... St- for those who don't know, she's the one who started the brigade against... Um, uh, pro profan you know profanity and music with the whole parental advisory thing she started the board that would therefore decide on the parental advisory label funny enough it was because she heard her 11 year old daughter singing the lyrics to darling nikki oh my god which is about a dominatrix darling obviously. nikki has well, it's it, there. There, there's not a there's fuck, not a fuck, but, but it's the, about just, masturbating. Right. He finds this girl who's masturbating to a magazine in public, and right. she takes his home and rides his fucking cock until it bends. You know what I mean? Right. So when Tipper Gore heard uh, the young Gore, such also a, for those who don't know, Tipper song. Gore is Al Gore's ex-wife. Um, so she's the one who started all this, and the first record that ever donned the parental advisory label. Do you know what it is? 
I don't. Two live crews banned in the USA. Oh, wow. Which had Hoochie Mama on it. Yeah. So they that that's how the parental advisory label started which totally backfired because that's the only hot records when when i was growing up for it's sure like, it doesn't even have a parental advisory on it yeah right. why would i listen to it <laughs> right. it's clearly not cool so tipper gore fuck you you failed but my prince track is sexy mf okay which is just my list off- had uh let's pretend we're married on that's it, but- awesome but yeah. This is just off of the record. At, it, the record doesn't really have a title. It's been now affectionately known as Love Symbol, which mm, was right. 1992. In 92, Some 90s Prince. Okay. 90s Prince, because this was the year before he became embroiled in his battle with Warner Brothers, right. who had trademarked his name for marketing purposes, were refusing to release his backlog of material. Mm-hmm. They got into a heated standoff right. uh, where... Prince then started going by the artist formerly known as. Right. Um, but this was right before that happened, and there is no chorus in this song. Uh, he just says, you sexy motherfucker, like Ooh. over the hottest funk beat. and I then towards, when they make it sexy. Oh, dude, and towards the end, the uh, the like the outro, if you will, is sexy motherfucker shaking that ass, shaking that ass, shaking that ass, sexy motherfucker shaking that. Ass. It, dude, it's incredible. Wow, and it's just, and this is off of the record that had seven on it, which is my okay. favorite Prince song of really? all time. Really, yes. he's a '90s Prince guy, ladies and gentlemen. I am a '90s Prince guy, um, but I just I had to put that on there because it's so sexy. Your number three was. You ought to know. You so ought I'm to know. Moving to right, moving on two, to number two. Here we which go. You, know, you knew this was going to be in there for me. Back to Blink-182. Damn it. Of course. Right. Yeah. And Did you hear? He, he fucked, fucked her. her. It's the centerpiece of the song. It it's is. the reason for the song existing. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of being a boy. It reminds me of being on a skateboard. Uh, <laughs> it, everything about that F word feels like home. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's stupid and unnecessary, no. and it's probably like aging poorly, the whole lyrics of that song, but you know that whole song, they're going for it, and you know, it's it's it doesn't actually stop in the album, but live, you know they stop there. Everybody sings it. It's an F word you're waiting for. Of it's course. The, Did you hear? Well, you fucked her. Like the Alanis Morissette, you ought to know fuck. It's very similar, and it, it's the Blink-182 one that got probably a lot of people into them. With oh, that, I'm sure. With that fuck. Well, was, damn it, was their first big single, right? Not even big, but yeah, their first... Yeah, that was their the first, first MTV single, MTV. wasn't it? Still yeah. a little... Un- but yeah, they didn't really break out till Enema, but yeah, Dude Ranch... That was the first single on Dude right. for sure. Well, you stole my number two with Radiohead's talk show host, so we've just been going. We've, uh, we've been commandeering back and forth. Well, you go with your number one. I'll end it. Oh, I like this. Yeah, I yeah. like how it's you're switching smooth. it up in real it's time. Smooth. Okay, my number one is really weird, dude. It's going to take some explanation here. You got a second? I guess so. Okay, <laughs> so my number one is an instrumental. No. Actually. Is it in the title? It is in the title. So see, you're doing this to see if I have rules again. You're, I knew I love breaking your rules, but you're the you're the person in this podcast who's who sets rules only to I break didn't them even, immediately. I didn't even set it anyway. So you actually didn't set any rules for this, and for that, I thank you. But is it a post rock song? It's not a post rock song. It's actually by a band you cannot stand, and I hope oh, no. your wife you Jess doing? is listening right now because she's gonna love this shit. What? Okay, um, it's an odd choice for the number one slot because it's an instrumental and instead uses the prosody of the title phrase in a number of different keys, but never uses the words themselves. And for those 
who aren't familiar, and I actually wasn't familiar with this until I stumbled across this. Okay. Prosody is the way a composer sets the text of a vocal composition in the assignment of syllables to notes in the melody to which the text is sung. Wow. So in this instrumental, wow, yeah, you seem really enamored and intrigued no, by I'm this just, one. I'm just like, this is going over my head. I so, can't believe how complicated this is for <laughs> the word fuck. So... I know, and I, I had to obviously save this for number one just uh, to yeah. throw you off. So right. this song is like a blues summer pop tune, and it's led by a harmonica melody. So the prosody of the melody allows you to sing the title phrase over the melody without it actually being sung by the artist, but by hearing the intonation of the main melody line, in this case the harmonica, you're able to sing along with it. And okay. this song is called Fuck This Shit, and it's by Bell and Sebastian. Ugh. And it was off of a record in, I believe it was 2002, called Storytelling, which was actually the soundtrack to a Todd Salons film. I, do you know who Todd Salons is? Uh, he did Welcome to the Dollhouse, no, no, Dark Horse, Happiness. Um, oh, happiness! I've happiness, seen. dude. This That's a weird one. This he's very strange. He's kind did, of like a modern. Did day they John do Waters. that one too, or was that Yola no. Tango? That was Yola Tango. Yeah. Um, but this film, Storytelling, has Selma Blair, John Goodman. It's crazy. So this is the soundtrack for it. And you can sing. The the, the harmonica melody is like... And you can... you lit it, Once you listen to it and you know what I'm talking about with the prosody and the tune, you start singing along like... Well, fuck this shit. No, no fuck this shit and that's the whole song no way okay. yeah well that's an so, impressive number one i'm gonna have to dive I, into that i just that. wanted to i wanted to be a little information i like that that's, i like one. one of the it got it got scientific well, yeah we we learned something wow that's crazy okay what's your number one? Oh man i'm just thinking that it i'm gonna have to go home and listen to that I'm, i don't even know if jess knows about it, if it's the soundtrack we'll see well it was a popular record too i'm sure she's heard storytelling so to really jump into my emo Oh, I can't wait. Emo Roots. Well, I guess not really. It's it's more of a newer song. So uh, my newer Emo, the fourth wave Emo Roots. Fourth wave? I think we're at fourth wave. Are we? I don't know. Somebody said fourth wave. I don't know. I can't wait, keep track. Wait, what was third wave? Uh, I don't know, 2005. I think Modest Mouse is the first Emo band. Am I wrong? Probably. The first Emo band's Rights of Spring, right? Oh, okay. That's what, that's what I, That's the way I've heard it. Have you heard that from a few different emo scholars? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Gui from from Fugazi. His it's his minor threat. Huh. No shit, dude. I had no idea. I always thought it was like Texas is the reason. Modest. That's probably Mouse, second like wave. Second wave. Okay. The nineties, sunny day, all that. I believe is second wave. Okay. I so don't know what wave, I'm talking. Third about. wave would be dashboard and like. That crap. Yeah, more like like poppy. taking back Sunday. Yeah, and then fourth wave is what's going on this decade. Which is like what Touche Amore and right, um, and this band, the Hotelier, yeah, um, and this song off Home Like No Place is there, the first track, the opening track, an introduction to the album. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> There's so many reasons why this is the best fuck ever, <laughs> and a lot, a lot of a lot of emo scholars, I bet, would agree with me because there's nothing like this fuck. It just, it's. It's, there's so much actual poetry and academic wordplay that happens before the simplified it fuck. It just devolves into fuck. Yeah. There's no other word for the emotion after there's so many good words for these emotion for right. these emotions, you know. So it's three three minutes and about three minutes and thirty seconds before you get to the fuck. 
And the fuck also brings in the drums and the full band. Oh, that's incredible. But he is just over a guitar and some noise, uh, pretty much describing the human condition. Just, you know, <laughs> just really, really explaining it and the then the anxiety and the depression and the like isolation we're all feeling. And then after spewing so many words, he gets right to where the noise culminates and, and the, the band's about to break in. And he says, fuck. And he does it off mic. Off he, mic fucks might be the best. He just right? goes off the mic and goes, fuck. And they crash in and it's... It, I, I I heard about the hotelier and I heard they were kind of like buzzing in that more fourth wave, as we say, fourth wave emo <laughs> emo scene. But I couldn't really get into some of the songs I heard. And then Ian Cohen, of course, the emo blogger of our times, uh, he posted a video of them playing this this song in like a small dive bar somewhere in Middle America, and the crowd at this basement bar or whatever was singing every word to these first three minutes and 30 seconds every word back like like they were on a reunion tour wow you know like they had, like well they that's had, an emo fan for you that's an emo fan base there and i was just like how are this album came out two months ago like how are people this excited about this song and then when it got to the fuck and the whole band came in i was like all right i need to listen to this i need to turn this, this off, whole record. listen to this whole record yeah and it is my favorite album of 2014 um the hoteliers home like no place i'm gonna there. have to listen to that record it's really good all the way through you got to kind of like the emo sound though i mean they definitely have it i think everyone likes the emo sound whether they like to admit it or not so i know some people that absolutely don't like who what do they listen i have friends to? that like are like don't those don't like friends this. of yours still listen to deep purple you know what I mean? Like, I don't. I think you only hate emo when you only listen to Led Zeppelin too. Right? Yeah, I think that's no. a rule. I mean, I could even say there's probably a little emo on Led Zeppelin three. And probably, maybe they were the were they the first emo band? No, they weren't. Were they first wave emo? No, just because you say baby and darling doesn't make you emo. <laughs> you heard it here first on the throat charade, everybody. Led Zeppelin was the first emo band in the first wave of it. So I also asked our Patreon if they have any best fucks. And who did we get? We got a couple of responses. Um, Shauna, of course. Shauna Pear. She what you got, mentioned girl? fuck the pain away, peaches. Of course. Which well, of I, course is on I my cannot, honorable I, 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 Yeah, I can't believe neither of us brought that in the That's top That's great. 10. It's a double header, too. What do you mean? It's oh, in yeah. The title it's got and, in the title. Yes. And it's the main hook. Uh, fuck it, I love you. Lana Del Rey, she also said. I don't know that song. I don't know that either. Uh, I'm sure it's great. Uh, the Just on, quickly on Lana Del Rey, I've never been a massive fan, but I am a massive Springsteen fan. Uh -huh. Springsteen just said that Lana Del Rey is one of the greatest American songwriters of our time. I like. I actually like quite a bit of her stuff. It's not like I can't listen to it forever, but yeah, I I, I like what she does. Yeah, that kind of like Laurel Canyon, cigarettes. kind of hot hot days, cool nights. Yeah, yeah for hot sure, days, cool nights. <laughs> Uh, Jocelyn came in with Creep Jocelyn, by Radiohead. Of course. And, she, and you know it what she was? Jocelyn, if you're listening to this right now, thank you for pandering to Cam and I by bringing Creep in because I know you did that because you knew that we were going to love you for it. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. And Ben Haywood brought in uh, his, his Spectacular is be, Views by Rilo Kiley. I knew it was going to be something so abstract. What record is that off? I don't of? know. I love Rilo Kiley. I just don't I, know what record Jess that's showed me of. the song. She knew it. It is a good fuck. It comes in really, really nice and strong. It's a good one. God, thank you, so, man. Thank uh, you for bringing Kylie into the mix. 
It takes it takes a lot. It, it, men listening to Rilo Kylie is kind of like a real men wear pink right. thing. And I'm a massive Takeoffs <laughs> and Landings was one of my favorite records of all time. And that's yeah. a Rilo. No, they have a some Rilo serious. Kylie I mean, I love Jenny Lewis's album from last year too. She put out a record last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking great. Fuck. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, real what a qu- list. Real quick, um, anything we missed? Did we get any Modest Mouse fucks in there? We didn't. What would you bring? Probably Dark Center of the Universe. Okay, good one. Probably. Um, Wait, took a lot of work being the ass I am. I'm really dead. sure anyone can equally easily, easily fuck you over. Twelve fifty one. The Strokes. Oh, good call, dude. That's a. That's a I think that might be one of the only fucks in the Strokes catalog. Huh? It really is. I looked through it. That's one of the only ones. They don't. They don't say fuck that often. And what's the fuck in that? Uh, F- no, fuck going in. Oh, fuck going to this party. Okay, yeah, party. Yeah. Uh, Strawberry Everclear. Oh, nice. Who who brought? Was that one of your honorable mentions? Yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. Uh, it would it one. wouldn't be P and W of you if you didn't bring some Everclear. Yeah. Sorry. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think it's a pretty good list, though. I think it's a great list. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun saying fuck. Oh man, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's. Oh, you know what? Let's give ourselves a fucking round of applause. Fucking a. Uh, you know, before we recorded this. Um, you were making a lot of Wolf Mother, Joker, and the Thief jokes that I thought were going to come up through this pod, and they haven't. Okay, at all. good. I do want to tell you a little story about the Joker <laughs> and the Thief in the Night, guys. I just want to let you know that Cam and I obviously love each other very much. Sometimes we disagree with the, one another's taste, and that is totally normal in a loving relationship. You're not always going to be able to agree, especially with something as subjective as music taste is. But outside, Cam actually said. I kind of like Wolf Mother. Well, I was, no, I was talking. <laughs> I said, I kind of liked Wolf Mother as in the content. We were talking about 2006 Coachella when we were both at. Uh, for the Daft Punk. Set, which is crazy. Which is that in, makes us like I think, blood brothers. I still think we rubbed up on each other we, during Probably that at least set. a bit. I think we did. That yeah. was the first Well They Won't They, uh-huh. 2006. But yeah, Wolf Mother played, and they were kind of a breakout band then. Power Trio. Right. Right. And Big they, Afro. They, they were good. I'm sorry. Like, Are there? I wonder if there are any Wolf Mother fans out there. There's probably still some. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of a cheap, excess excess looking copy of, you know, classic rock. So yeah. it can't last forever. I just remember when I was young and I was being put to bed by my parents. Right. A lot of times, like when I wanted to hear a story. Right. Um. But my father would come to the bedside and say, "Well, son, Al." I'm very proud of you. You're really handsome. You're going to grow up to be super successful in your life. But first, let me tell you a little story about the Joker and the thief <laughs> in the night. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've made the jokes now. Yeah, now, now thanks just... for bringing it up. No, I'm glad. I'm glad I figured it would you. come up. Yeah. As sure as Kilimanjaro <laughs> rises like Olympus. A man. In the Serengeti. A plan. A canal. <laughs> Panama. The greatest palindrome of all time. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's jump into our Patreon members because we have to thank them. Yes, they've been great. I love when I hit hit y'all up and you guys help on the list or ask Al questions. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for being part of this. Please uh, have more dialogue with us. Thanks for helping us donate to Neva. 
Yes, and that's, that's what we've been doing this month. Uh, we've already made the donation. Just to let you guys know, Cam sends me the receipts when he does <laughs> donate. So well, I feel like you know there should be like some paper trail. There's got to be a paper trail. So this is actually going to be a good cause. Got that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, like, why is he sending me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, Neva is the National Independent Venue Association, and it is more important now more than ever um, that independent venues survive. Because if you like Cam and I, you probably have a few friends like us as well, and we only survive and thrive off of these independent venues since we're not uh, gangbuster major global artists yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into the old priv check, huh? Uh, are we doing it? Let's get in there. Here we go. Privilege check. All right, let's check this privilege, huh? Yes, and this, again, for those who aren't familiar, this is a new segment. This is our second time trying this out. Cam and I are trying to learn, um, and we're also trying to learn with you and check our privilege at the door because a lot of the things that we love have been built on the backs of the black artist community, and we right. need to uncover some of these things. So, Cam, since it's side A, we're going to lead out with you, my man. Oh, we sure are. As sure as Kilimanjaro rises like <laughs> Olympus above the Serengeti, we are. Um, so the started uh, amidst the protests and in, in, in during this movement that's been ongoing, um, there was a viral tweet that somebody said, also white people eventually were going to need to start talking about that Toto song. Please. And I thought that was great because, I mean, the song has been around as for, for our entire lives. Yeah, absolutely. And heard at various, you can't even, there's no way you could count how many times you've heard no. this song. And I've, you, to and be you honest, know, I've never liked Africa. <laughs> I think it's overly complicated. I think the, the chord arrangements are ridiculous. It I, is, it is an, inc an, an incessantly complicated song for a pop song. It is, yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't even get me started on the keyboard solo. I don't. I don't want to hear about the keyboard solo. <laughs> but I've always thought, like this song, forever. You don't even listen to the lyrics at all. Right. You just this that chorus, that uplifting chorus melody, and you're like, yeah, man, nah, nah, man, nah, nah, Africa. That's that. It says Africa. And you know what? White people love more than anything, arena drums. Do -do, do -do. Yeah. This is a quote I have from Reddit. It says, It's a song written by a white guy in America about his perception of Africa, portraying the perception of Africa by white people in America, and absolutely fucking love by white people in America. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. It's so meta, I don't even have a word for it. <laughs> but, so I was like, I was looking, I wanted to look into it and actually look into the lyrics, look into the song, and see just what the hell is going on here yeah you know if they if they were just like oh well, it's just whoops just random poetry or if it's like this is kind of racist guys um and and sadly you can't really come out with in after i looked into it watched the video read all the lyrics like read st statements from members of the bands there's no um abhorrent racism going on here right you know but that's part of this privilege check is beyond that right and let me tell you, when you watch the music video... I, I never... <clears throat> can you please... I never have either. And it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> so the music video is the lead singer um, dressed clearly... You can tell he's in Africa because he's dressed like an ivory dealer. Oh, no. They went and, that route with it? And he's inside See, that, this... That is like, not right. This like African library... 
you can know that because the only woman librarian there is kind of a sexualized librarian and she's black and she's kind of just keeping an what? eye on him as he's going through books. So wait, you're telling me that in this video, he's dressed like an ivory dealer and they're objectifying and sexualizing a black librarian in this library in Africa. Right. I believe we're not sure it's in Africa yet, but when we go to the live band shots, you'll notice the live band, the whole band is playing on a stage that also the stage is also a book labeled Africa. Oh, no. <laughs> The ivory dealer thing gets me because I mean the, it's not it, it's just he has that look you know the tan I'm going to Africa for and sure. going on right on an expedition safari. yes yeah. but at the same time dude the the ivory grab um for especially like in in the Congo amongst the Congolese right. that was one of the greatest like vile most violent scrapes for loot that has disfigured you know the the human conscious of our time like right. that that was a really big thing like a lot of congolese people were enslaved and died because of these ivory traders that were mining the hills for it and that's fucked up yeah i mean there's nothing that screams that immediately but it's just the way you know still yeah yeah um and so eventually in the song he's combing through all these books in the library and he finds one right and you know what it says africa no <laughs> And he looks like Connor O'Malley in I Think You Should Leave when he finally gets the porno. He's just like so happy and just like overwhelmed with joy that he found Africa. And it's so vague but so stupid and like almost accidentally racist and just like in its stupidity. Accidental racism is still racism. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I came across that it's not intentional. It's just stupid. And also a big thing about it that I read is Africa was trendy. Like, what? Like in the 80s, you know, like like to talk about like African culture or African musical influence for white artists was trendy. Well, maybe it's because of what we touched on on last episode's Privilege Check, Paul Simon's Graceland, right. recording same, it during the time of apartheid. Time. Yeah. So wait, are you telling me that Africa was trending... Uh, simply because maybe it was a hot issue because of apartheid and the United Nations ban that they put on. Maybe not necessarily. Maybe more just because it was like a new influence that people were, you know, starting to hear from other Except people. Except into the pantheon of popular culture. Right. Yeah. So it was just, you know, lyrically. But, I mean, I bless the rains down in Africa is the most fucking you white savior Why? bullshit. Yeah, that really is. So yeah. that's really where it's just like, who cares if it's stupid? The song's done. We don't ever need to listen to Africa. We don't, by and we, de we definitely don't need to listen to Weezer's cover of it. That either. was completely unnecessary altogether. But another great quote I saw is just this. To be frank, if you use your aux cord song privilege to play this song, it's like using your one phone call in jail to call your ex and ask where things went wrong. Wow. That's a really that that's one hell of a quotable right there. Yeah, so, and it can't be more right. I think I'm, that's the end of my privilege check. Just dude, I'm okay it's with over. I'm okay with canceling Toto's Africa. Um, the Toto I like is Hold the Line. Oh yeah, Hold the Line's a dude. Jammer. Hold the Line is the best. Even Rosanna's a great Rosanna song. Rosanna is a great song. We're not canceling all of Toto, I guess. Here, but Africa. Let's. let's I never want to hear Africa ever again. Let's leave it out in the rain. To die. I, yes, yes. No more blessing rains. White savior complex bullshit. Mm -mm. Yeah. Good dude, that was a good priv check. I'm cool. glad we I'm glad we worked through that one. So what um, you got? As we were talking about earlier, 
I just want to talk about the understated importance of the black artist community in country music as it has been over the years, especially since the 20s, completely appropriated by the white culture. And it's become something that it did not start as. And country means a lot to me. I know it means a lot of a lot to a lot of people out there. I don't know if we have any country fans listening. A lot of people only hear current day modern bubblegum country such as redneck yacht club and put a little mud on the tires and what was that one luke bryan song you really like what's it called <laughs> jake owen barefoot blue jean Sorry. night yeah barefoot blue jean night That's so modern classic this yeah. is all the shit that has really just gone completely awry from the beginning of country music and i just wanted to talk a little bit about that today it's probably going to read like a history lesson, but I don't give a shit because it's important for all of us to know. Again, like blues and jazz and a lot of other things that white people have ruined that started with honest, genuine, cultural intent from the black artist community. It's gone through this game of telephone and come out irreparably on the other side. And it all starts with a banjo that tinny air of sharp undulating residence that rolls with the hills that it came from now a lot of people think banjo they think deliverance they think you know white people chewing sour grass on a porch being fucking racist well it didn't start that way um it actually the, the, the banjo is a, a, as an instrument is a descendant of west african lutes made from gourds that were brought to America by slaves to become an integral tool of slave music and the culture wow. itself. Um, so when, whenever you pay, whenever you see a banjo or hear a banjo, know that it started as something very different than it is wow. now. Okay. And after the truly unoriginal nature of white appropriators began spreading this heavenly tone to the white masses with disgusting exploitation of blackface shows. So a lot of white people saw this instrument that the black slave community was playing and they thought, hey, that sounds incredible. This instrument's really cool. I'm going to go blackface in you know neighborhood squares, community squares, and try to entertain people with this, Yikes. which is incredibly wrong on so many levels. Um, and this was obviously in the, the early 1900s that we're talking about here. Um, this gave rise to hillbilly music. Right. And that's what country music was called before it was called country music. Um, and it would soon be rebranded as country music. That wouldn't happen until after the Second World War. But after this started happening with the banjo, the black community largely, and rightfully so, abandoned the instrument after it was taken from them to become this, you know, another oppressive symbol of their enslavement, mm -hmm. which is just like, like how much can we take from a race and call it ours and appropriate it like in real time to their faces. And the banjo is just another thing like that. Yeah. Um, virtually unknown too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of people don't really understand that because again, yeah, when we new, think country music, when you think banjo, you think bluegrass. When right. you think bluegrass, you're like, that is white music. That is white culture. I imagine like, yeah, a white man with, overall sitting on a bale of hay precisely which is not at all where it came right. from um and must you know much like as i've said much like most other genres that were built on the genius of the black artist community 
white newcomers stole bars from slave spirituals and field songs and religious hymnals and mostly left uncredited the musicians that were quote-unquote allowed to quote-unquote collaborate and i emphasize the quotes there because allowed to collaborate on these songs is just a complete it's completely adverse that you know these black musicians that were being left uncredited on these records wrote the songs yeah and then they were just completely left in the dust um and you know now many historians consider timeless and and of the utmost importance of the genre these people that were never credited on these records like we were talking about earlier what was the the harpist that you were talking about uh deford bailey de, de, yeah deford bailey deford yeah, bailey who was the first black man on the grand old opry yeah um he spent a lot of his early years being uncredited on some really important records yeah and what was the story that you were relaying uh, was, about his I was, condition i was reading about him and, and he had polio when he was three so his father just would put a banjo or a guitar or give him a harp over his shoulders you know and he just learned to play because he couldn't he was bedridden and learned to be one of the best early players and one of the best harmonica players, known as one of the best harmonica players of all time. I, I have this quote from him that I just found to be absolutely beautiful. He grew up, um, he said he spent much of his time listening to animals like sheep, cows, dogs, and chickens trying to recreate the sound they made on his harmonica because he said, I'm just like a microphone. I pick up everything I hear around me. That's so cool. And I just thought that was incredible. Incredible way to like, look at life even and yeah even from a musicianship standpoint i've too. never thought of myself like that you know yeah and just no, like i, I mean, wish i always wish i was more like that you know so i thought that was just kind of like it, a conduit for nature sounds right yeah well the uh, this eradication that we're talking about of country music's inventors the black artist community reached an apex in the 1920s when record labels began dividing releases into both quote-unquote hillbilly records and quote-unquote race records so record labels in the 20s realized that they could sell double the country music if they had hillbilly records selling to the white folk and race records selling to the black folk and attempted to position its growing popularity as an authentic return to the music of the idyllic rural white mountain south so that's kind of where it all started are oh, you good that's kind of where it all started. This whole like, this is white culture stuff is a lot of it was from the branding and the marketing approach from these labels who were intentionally and divisively setting up two different revenue streams for hillbilly music and race records. Wow. So it's whack. Yeah, it's super whack. <laughs> and if we if we're going to lead out on a song, actually one of <laughs> one of my favorite country songs uh, by an artist named Charlie Pride. If you're a if you're a country fan, you know who Charlie Pride is. And I was song. reading Charlie Pride. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's Charlie cool. Pride. A lot of white folk back in the day loved Charlie Pride and had no idea he was black because they didn't really do promotional photos back then. Well, we're gonna get to that in a second no. too. They did do promotional photos back then, but it was intentionally left out. Oh, so wow. if we fast forward half a century from the 20s, like we were just talking about. You know, well after hillbilly music transformed into the golden years of country, and during which time the white community, having done what they do best, commandeer all credit to incubating something that was never theirs to begin with, 
It's like could, the aliens on Independence Day. That's they come exactly and they take all our is. natural resources. Mm-hmm. And then and they're then like, they hey, bail. this is ours. Yeah. And that's what, you know, unfortunately, the white race has done time and time again, especially in music, too. Like, the appropriation of culture is just, it's, it's an onslaught. And it seems to be never ending, especially wow. the more we dig into it. Um, we come across Charlie Pride, you know, a chart-topping artist. Uh, who should have never been treated as an anomaly, which he was, you know, like a black country singer was this rare thing, even though they were the ones who invented it. Right. So <laughs> it, it, you know, he was expertly expounding on the creation of his race and covertly fitting it into the almost all white medium it had tragically become. Um, and Pride had all but exhausted himself on the way to become country's first black superstar, which is an unfortunate grind for such a talented man of such an ingenious race that had unwittingly given birth to one of the many things that would be taken from them, such as country music. But Pride succeeded greatly. He had eight number ones in under two years, and he had over 30 chart toppers to his name overall, which Hell is, yeah. dude, that's incredible. Yeah. Especially eight number ones in two years. That's nuts. Out of 24 months in two years. He was like rivaling Elvis for a while. He though, really right? was. He was up there, um, which is, it, and that's just such a Herculean goal for anyone of any race in any genre, but especially so for a black man in country music. Yeah. You know what I mean? But A black man competing against a white man that's, having that's stealing all his songs from black men exactly (laughs) it gets so meta we don't have a word for it right well here's that shitty fact that we were talking about earlier that you alluded to rca's rca was the record label that he was on they sent his first few singles to radio stations without promo shots citing quote the music should speak for itself end quote wow now do you think they really meant that what they meant to say was is this promo shot of a smiling black man. Even though Charlie Pride was super handsome, he has a gap in his two front teeth, which just like totally endears you to his character. Yeah. Um, I know it well. It's, yeah, no, it's just like, it, it, it's, it's such behavior that continued to propagate the fucking horseshit taboo of right. having a black country musician. And also in his memoir, in, in, in his memoir, he recalls a conversation with country giant Webb Pierce, where Webb Pierce says, it's good to have you in our music. And Pride only said, hey, Webb, it's my music, too. Nice. So on that, we're going to ride out on Charlie Pride's Kiss an Angel Good Morning, because it is two minutes of pure country done better it. than a lot of the white men in the genre by one of the first major black superstars in country music. Well, thank you all for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. Enjoy this Charlie Pride song and go parade out. Whenever I chance to meet some old friends on the street. They wonder how does a man get to be this way I've always got a smiling face Anytime in any place And every time they ask me why I just smile and say You've got to kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her when you're gone 
kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil when you get back home Well, people may try to guess The secret of a happiness But some of them never learn It's a simple thing The secret I'm speaking of Is a woman and a man in love And the answer is in this song That I always sing You've got to Kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her When you're gone Kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil When you get back home Kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her when you're gone Kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil when you get back home